Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. Me and Ryan back once again to recap episode five of Survivor Season 42. Um, another interesting episode, you know, obviously not as much action as, you know, some of the other ones so far, but I'm really enjoying the season. Like, it's continued for me. Uh, we're still going with the enjoying the season here. Um, and we had an, you know, a little bit of an interesting vote out that we have to break down, uh, weird vote scenario. So, you know, happy to be here. Another recap. What's up, Ryan? You know, just like, uh, Marianne and, uh, Lindsay, I too am baller at Mario Karts and I will face anybody who wants to challenge me in Mario Karts, but no, I, I, I do completely agree. I think Dylan, this was a fun episode. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to make any comparisons to Gabon yet, but I feel like so far this season has been fun and it's been a complete train wreck as we'll kind of go into as we look towards the potential merge next week. We have, uh, for the first time, three in a three-tribe season, all three tribes are going into the merge with even numbers at four apiece, but every tribe is fractured in some way and someone might flip. It is a hot mess of a season, not just Ika anymore, so I can't wait to break this all down with you. It's funny. I like the Gabon comparison you made. It's like, uh, go, we, we we could call, for now, we call uh, season 42 uh, Gabon without the elephants. I mean, it, I mean, it <laughs> literally feels like a, tra- a train wreck like every time I, we go to a different tribe. It does. It does. And honestly, like there was a lot more of that tonight than in the past. And we'll get into that. Um, I do want to start out at the vote out situation. You know, normally we go chronologically. We will talk about the vote out and then we will because there was a weird scenario. We had, you know, expected to just be all Chanel and Daniel. And then all of a sudden we have a stray vote on Mike and a 2-2 tie. So I want to talk a little bit about that and why it happens. Um, now, first, before we get started, be sure to like this video, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to this channel really helps us out. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Soul Survivor Pod. You can follow us on TikTok now as well at Soul Survivor Podcast. Um, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify. All links in the description below. And like normal, if you have any questions for us, be sure to throw it in the comments, and we will get to it at the end of the show or while we're going. So you know, I've loved love the interaction we're having so far this year, and and as always, you know, so excited you know for tonight to discuss everything. And let's get right to this vote out, Ryan. We had two votes on Daniel two votes on Chanel and then we're all sitting there and a, and a vote goes on Mike. And we're like, uh, immediately when I, you know, I expected, um, I expected it to be four one, one way or the other, I guess, if no one was using shot in the dark, because you'd assume that Chanel and Daniel were going to vote for each other. Um, and then the rest were just going to go on whoever was going home. And instead we had a, uh, two, two, one vote. Um, which was at first I was like, well, you know, who did that? Did Daniel accidentally vote for, did Daniel vote for Mike and get himself voted out of the game? Who voted for who? It turns out that Chanel was the one who threw the extra vote on, on Mike. It took me and Ryan a little bit to figure out, but I think we have it figured out. Yeah. I mean, I, if you, if you saw my reaction to the Mike vote, cause again, I fully expected either a four one or kind of like last week with Roxroy and Swathy, I thought, you know, Mike seems like a pretty loyal guy, just like that's who he is. There's a chance he could have thrown Chanel a pity vote, you know, just to just to kind of save her. No, not save her, sorry, to give her a pity vote, even though Daniel was going to go. Um, so when I see 2-1 and then Mike, I literally did the uh, Michaela, what? I, I, I yelled, I was like, what? <laughs> I literally screamed. Um, yeah, no, I think we both figured it out at the same time. And um, Ohio State mentions it in the chat here. Um Basically, what we kind of came to the conclusion about, and you can find this on Twitter uh, with Mike Bloom and people explain it, you know, more in depth as well. 
it's basically to guard against the shot in the dark, which is kind of how Dylan and I interpreted it. So if you remember back to, well, actually, let me just explain the vote first, and then I'll pass it back to you, where, you know, Chanel, in, in Chanel's mind, she realizes, okay, if we all vote for Daniel tonight, and Daniel plays a shot in the dark, or somehow an idol, but shot in the dark, and he he's safe, then I'm going to go home no matter what. So just like Devin did back in Triple H, she realizes that she could be a backup vote, or she knows she's a backup vote. So she throws a hinky vote. She throws a spare vote onto Mike to force a tie just to save herself. I still think she goes there no matter what at that point. But you know, Dylan, there's a chance that Mike thinks that Weasel Daniel voted for me again, or that Weasel Daniel can't be trusted, and he maybe votes Daniel out in the heat of the moment. So it's not impossible that this would have worked to save her, and I still think she may have overplayed it. But I think this was just sheer precaution against Shot in the Dark. Yeah, well, I think, well, okay, so you, you explained it well. I think we're looking at a 3-1 vote, correct? If uh, We're looking at a 3-1 vote if Daniel plays his shot in the dark because he wouldn't have voted. So we're looking at a 3-1 vote and assuming that the three votes on Daniel would be canceled if the shot in the dark uh, saves him, then you have the one vote on, uh... oh, well, hold on. Would it be... Okay, I'm, I'm getting I'm confusing myself now. I guess right. it's like okay, like yeah. So right, like you said, so like there was a, a, a I I believe you said Mike voted for Chanel. Is that what it was? Mike voted right. for Chanel. So did Daniel. Hi and Lydia voted for Daniel, and Chanel voted for Mike. Right. So assume so she so she wanted to make sure that there was not just an extra vote on her. Like like you know Mike threw a vote on her. She wants to make sure she doesn't go home one nothing. So she throws an extra vote on uh on Mike just in case to force a one, one tie. It's basically as simple as that. She knew that, you know, if the shot in the dark saved Daniel, then she would be in trouble. So she threw the extra vote and we have an interesting comment down here um, from Ohio state uh, for the win. And he actually says the same thing that you said, Ryan yeah, yeah. Uh, to me before we started this podcast, Ohio state for the win says Chanel's vote reminded me of when Devin voted out Dr. Mike in season 35 due to fear of Ben playing another idol that season. And yeah, Ryan, you if you want to just refresh everyone on that situation, and you explained it to me perfectly before uh, the season started. That is something that I know you always mentioned as such an underrated move, uh, but you have a better memory than me in terms of Survivor things when it comes to exact votes. But yes, Devin did do this same exact thing in Survivor Season 35. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, I appreciate I appreciate that. I mean, I saw Ohio State's comments. I saw it on Twitter, and, and, and I thought of it myself. I kind of like all within unison. I'm like looking this up really quickly to figure this out before the podcast. I kind of see everything all at once. Um, but yeah, just as a quick refresher before we get back to 42, um, you know, Ben is playing idol after idol. And every time it's like, okay, well, he doesn't have another idol, right? No, he does. And then every time he has an idol and he saves himself at the final five, Chrissy and Ryan and them are like, there's no way Ben has a third idol in a row. That's just not, that's just not going to happen. And Mike thinks to himself, if I'm Ben, who is my biggest threat in this game that could take me out if I don't have an idol? Okay, it's probably Devin. So Devin says to himself, "Well, if I'm Ben and I'm going to vote for um, um, I'm going to vote for Devin, and everyone votes for me, Devin goes home on the uh, goes home because then four votes will be negated and only one vote will remain on Devin. So what what does Devin do? He says, "Okay, I'm going to throw a vote onto Doctor Mike." Funny, Chanel and uh, Chanel and Devin both throw a hinky vote onto a mic, um, but they both vote for you know they vote for a mic, and then in that case, Ben does play an idol, 
those three those three votes now go away and it's now one vote mike one vote devin and chrissy and ryan vote up mike on the revote so this is basically what chanel did to guard against an idol or a shot in the dark she throws a rogue vote onto mike to force a possible tie to save herself now let's just quickly explore the scenario of if this does happen where daniel plays a shot in the dark and he's safe and now it's one vote chanel one vote mike now at this point um since daniel just lost his vote with the shot in the dark um only high and lydia would vote i'm sorry the high lydia and mike would still vote wait no in that scenario it's one vote on chanel one vote mike only high and lydia would vote high and lydia only so then they would still they probably would still vote on daniel on the revote then so there's a chance no you mean if daniel was safe so they would probably vote out chanel in the revote I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. So on the so, revote, then if it's one vote Chanel, one vote Mike, High and Lydia decide they probably would vote out Chanel in that case over Mike. But it's a risk she has to take because if she votes for Daniel and he plays shot in the dark, then she goes home anyway. So I see why she did it. I think people can debate. Like some people are saying it was a really good move by her. Some people said she still kind of really overplayed it. Now Mike's going to be mad at her. So. I think you can kind of see it both ways here. So she was really just thinking self-preservation above all else in that situation. Yeah. So, okay. What I was trying, you explained it well, what I was trying to say, yeah. um, and I was, I, I forgot, I had forgot at the beginning of this podcast that Mike had thrown the, thrown the vote on Chanel. Um, so it would have been a one, one tie if Daniel had used the shot in the dark to, to save himself and saved himself. However, there's a chance that Chanel also assumed that Mike and all three of them, uh, that, well, I guess she could, she assumed that possibly four votes were all four votes were going on Daniel. So then um, if it, it would have been like a similar scenario, if, you know, four vote, all four votes go on Daniel, he plays a shot in the dark, it hits, he's safe. Um, all four votes get canceled out. Now it is a revote and you can't, you can't vote. You, you have to, you can't vote for Daniel. So they would have ended up voting out Chanel anyway. So again, like you said, it's possible she overplayed her cards because it's like she probably would not have been able to save herself no matter what. Um, well, no. Okay. I keep, I, I keep, I keep screwing. Hey, hey, it's so interesting to discuss. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish we had like a chalkboard or something so I could draw all this out. I really should bring a whiteboard next time and just so we can pull the whole Jeff Probst and just write things right. out. Right. So, okay. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is if she throws, if she throws the vote on Daniel and all four votes go on Daniel, let's just, let's just say in a theoretical situation, Mike votes for Daniel and not Chanel. So now we have four votes on Daniel. Daniel plays shot in the dark. Every vote's on Daniel. Now they have to re-vote because there's no votes. Um, and then they end up all just re-voting for Chanel anyway. She goes home. However, if if in if in if that scenario happens and Mike um votes for Daniel instead of Chanel, and then Chanel votes for Mike then it's possible that if all the Daniel votes got canceled out, um, then Chanel could have gone by and Mike could have gone home. But that, that alliance of three, that's why they, that's why they threw, that's why Mike threw the vote on Chanel because, because they basically prevented Chanel from flipping. And then like, right. They, they basically, they assumed that Chanel was going to vote for Mike. That's why they had Mike throw a vote on Chanel. Do you get what I mean? I'm sorry. So just it's, to hard, it's hard for you to explain. So no, yes. So wait. So wait, wait, wait. So you wait. You you just said they thought that Chanel might throw a vote into Mike. Are you saying they refers to High and Lydia thought that, or Daniel and Mike thought that? 
No, I'm saying is that so you have assuming you have you have two sides. You have uh I should say you have like one you have one side here, which is uh the alliance of three, which is yeah. Mike, Daniel, and Lydia. And right. then you have like Chanel, who's like kind of in the middle, like she's like kind of with them for this vote, but kind of not. And then you have Daniel. So the voting target is Daniel. Okay. Okay. If now you have kind of defense being played from both sides. So basically this group of three could have all thrown their vote on Daniel. Okay. If, if they, if they were just thinking straight up like old school version of survivor, they weren't thinking about all the twists. They could have just thrown the vote on Daniel. And then that would be three votes on Daniel. Um, if Chanel goes with them and just votes Daniel, then she's going home. If Daniel successfully uses a shot in the dark, but if they, yeah. if, if the, if that smart, th- if that three that's on top, doesn't realize that like the shot in the dark is a thing and everything. and doesn't anticipate for that. Um, and let's just say they screw up and they all happen to vote Daniel and he plays a shot in the dark safe. If she veers off from them and just throws an extra vote on Mike, but the extra vote wasn't thrown on Chanel by them, then Mike ends up going home. So that so, was a really, so I, I think it was a smart move by Chanel because she basically guarantees that at worst, if a shot in the dark is used, at least it goes to a revote. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. So I'm sorry if I used a lot of words to explain that. No, no, no. no. But, I, I think we both got to the same conclusion where like it wasn't a guarantee, but Chanel was at least trying to make it a tie just in case. Yes. I I want to just like the reason I'm explaining this all the way, like it, in a lot of words, is because I want to give a shout out also to Hi, Lydia and Mike, who successfully voted 2-1 there between daniel and chanel assuming that chanel could accidentally or not accidentally but sh- assuming that chanel could just go away from the plan and just throw an extra vote on mike just in case so wait so why do you think and i, I need to still think about this some more uh why do you think mike voted for chanel because if this was like wait if this was like an older season when shot in the dark doesn't exist i could say it's a three it's a five person tribe at this point three-person alliance they're scared that someone on the bottom could pull out an idol so i could say okay well mike threw a vote into chanel just in case there was an idol but in this season and maybe they, they don't understand this since they didn't see 41 the only idols in the game are the beware advantages there's no extra idols so i'm still trying to figure out i i can understand why chanel did what she did if mike high and lydia are on the same page that daniel's going tonight why does Mike throw a vote onto Chanel? Is he also scared about because, Shot in the Dark? Because they're, they're, they were bracing for what happened tonight. They were bracing for Chanel. They were bracing for Chanel. They were bracing for uh, Chanel to just put a vote on one of them. And and Daniel to play Shot in the Dark. Now, we know that Daniel Shot in the Dark didn't happen. But if Daniel Shot in the Dark did happen and he was safe, and, and, and let's just theoretically, let's just say that Mike voted Daniel instead. Now all their votes are on Daniel, but Mike, but Chanel's vote is on Mike. Shot in the dark saves Daniel. Mike's gone. Yeah, but but you think that they anticipated Chanel doing that because Mike and that Mike yeah. looked shocked. And uh, again, this is why sh- she fooled us. Chanel, like she looked like she didn't do it. She shook her head. She was like, "Wasn't me." And we didn't believe it was her until they showed the vote. So Mike seems shocked that it happened. So I'm not sure. Yes, I. They, yeah, I, I think Mike was shocked that it happened. But if we remember back in the episode. Um, Chanel, uh, Hi was talking the entire time about how he doesn't think Chanel could be trusted. He, none of them really trust her. Um, so would you put it past them to assume that she could possibly do this to Mike? It's possible that they were surprised, but they threw the they threw the vote on Chanel just in case she threw the vote on one of them. So you're <laughs> saying <laughs> this, is, this is you know what's funny? Like 
I feel like I'm not not confused. I feel like this is actually we're going even more in depth here than the whole Jenny vote that was even crazier. Right. But like, so wait, you think that Hi and I'm not sure if I agree or not. You think Hi and Lydia thought that because Chanel can't be trusted and she could throw a rogue vote onto Mike, that they they had Mike throw a vote onto Chanel just to be safe. Yes. Whereas I, I feel like in my mind, Daniel and Chanel both know each other, both know it's going to be one of them. So I thought everybody on the tribe thinks they're just, they're going to shoot at each other. And I'm still just trying to figure out why Mike did that, because I feel like I wouldn't have thought that Chanel would have thrown a hinky vote on. Tonight. I think it was, it was just in case it was to force a tie just in case of a scenario where Mike. Right. Didn't right. So now based on the, based on everything that happened tonight, if Daniel had played a shot in the dark and been safe, Mike, hi, and Lydia are all still safe no matter what. Here's a question for you. And because because now we can start going going into like different paths where what, what happened tonight happened. You can go into a whole nother scenario where Daniel plays the shot in the dark and he's safe or he's not safe or if Chanel chose to play it. So we can go into a whole bunch of alternate multi multiverses where it's like uh like this thing, these things could have happened and we, we would have had different results here. The only people that weren't gonna go home tonight were high on Lydia. And and again, I think that's another good point because people on, online were like, why would she throw it onto Mike? You she can't throw it onto high or Lydia because they're not going to vote each other out. So she has to throw it onto Mike in that situation as a backup vote. Um the question that I have here in terms of like alternate timelines or all other things that could have happened is um oh shoot what, what was my point? <laughs> um this is so convoluted. There's so much to figure out yeah, here. Yeah, I, I think so. He, here's for for everyone listening. We're already 17 minutes into the podcast, and we're still discussing the vote. I think what happened here is me and Ryan discussed where the vote. We're like, oh yeah, we understand that that uh, that Chanel did that vote just in, did the vote on Mike just in case of a shot in the mm-hmm. dark. And then we come here and we podcast like we do every single week, and we realize that well, you know what, maybe it was a little bit more deep than we even anticipated because Mike voting for Chanel means that they they anticipated a scenario where Chanel does not go along with the plan and throw a vote on Mike and therefore could have screwed them all. So I it, it is it, oh. it is very in-depth. Yes. Sorry, so here's my question. Getting back to Shot in the Dark, because again, if Daniel would have played it and it was, you know, if he was safe, it would have been 1-1 Mike Chanel. And I think Chanel still goes there, but there's a chance it could have been Mike. Um, and yeah, we, we are, we're all just overthinking things just because there's a lot of different ways to think about it. I, and, I, and I feel like, you know, what's funny, it, the night of Survivor, because we're so amped up on the episode, I overthink <laughs> a lot of stuff. And then I, I listen to other stuff. I w- read other articles. I watch other podcasts. And then I think my thoughts become more measured, more clear, more collected and strategic as I go through the week. Like, I already thought about something with Ika right when the episode started, just because I was I was able to let it sink in. I feel like now we're just going so fast. Here's a question I have for you. We've seen the shot in the dark played four times and it hasn't worked once. Uh, do you feel like it's too too bad of odds? You think you, you think it, one in six is too low? Because like, I, I feel like people have said, oh, maybe they should knock it down to one in five. Like, because I, I feel like one in six is a really low shot of it working, though. I think you need to have it low odds. Now, the reason why, and I think tonight is the perfect example, even if you just listen to everything me and Ryan were going back and forth about, and you still don't even understand what we're talking about because we don't have chalkboard. If I bet you tomorrow, so Kelly Wentworth has been doing TikToks every single week where she literally like does like votes, like she does like the whole episode in like a Pictionary form and she like draws mm-hmm. it all out and she narrates the whole thing. 
she, I guarantee, will draw out this entire vote tomorrow, and it will be more clear that way. I wish we had a piece of paper where I could draw this out right now, and me and Ryan could explain it that way. Um, I think, but I, going back to Sean the Dark, the reason why the odds uh, are so low on Sean the Dark is because you, I don't think that a he- I think it's a it's you know they they wanted a hail mary hail mary for a reason. You shouldn't be able to like just save yourself when you want to and have like a thirty three percent or even a twenty percent chance. I think like just below twenty percent, which is like what sixteen point six 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 six. You know that exactly. that's what it that's what it should be. I think that even having the shot in the dark in the game creates votes like this. So yeah, I they, agree. that that is why they like for example, if there was no such thing as shot in the dark, it's the easiest vote ever. The vote tonight is four one. And Daniel goes home and we have nothing to talk about in the podcast. No one has anything to talk about instead now, because the votes were weird and we were watching, expecting it to be a four one, but because of Sean, the dark, we get all this weird two, two, one stuff. And now we have to explain and talk about why the votes went all these different directions and you know, everything there. I think that's why Sean, the dark was added. They wanted survivor players and all the people watching to take you know, what was, what may have been a simple vote in season 34 mm-hmm. and now make it into something a lot more complicated. Yeah. So, so, the, so the it's two, really yeah. adding, it's adding another, le- the shot in the dark. I really, and again, after the season, after watching everything play out, I know we have not had a shot in the dark used successfully yet, but I think that I'm a huge fan of shot in the dark because we get votes like this now. So the two, I have two questions. <laughs> I still have a lot more questions, but the two questions I have, on this vote and going forward before we get to the rest of the episode is number one, I still feel like they split the vote and they meaning the Alliance of three of Lydia, Mike and hi, I'm still thinking they split the votes. I, I, I don't know if I agree that they thought Chanel was going to throw a rogue vote onto Mike. I still think because this is 42, they haven't seen 41. I guess they're technically not sure unless production told them, these beware advantages are the only idols in the game for all they know there could be other idols or whatnot because they haven't seen 41 i still think they split the vote because of an idol or shot in the dark and i think chanel did what she did because of you know shot in the dark so i'll be curious to know as we go through the week um like mike voted for chanel because of a potential idol or shot in the dark that's my first question yeah yeah uh i don't think they they did it because of an idol because they know that mike has the idol now Maybe they thought that there could possibly be a second idol in the game, and in that case, then they could have, then they would have done it because of that, and not because of my explanation. So yeah, so, so I think I think you're right in that there could be multiple reasons why. But given the fact that they know Mike has the idol, I think that that's why they did it um, yeah. to prevent to prevent Mike going home or one of them going home in the scenario of Chanel just throwing a vote somewhere. Okay, so that's right. possible. So my my second question then on this vote, like along with everything else is so what do we think happens when they go back to camp? Because obviously Mike's going to ask, well, who voted for me? I mean, Chanel, you're, you're, you're shaking your head. Like, no, it wasn't me. So who was it? And I feel like Chanel can't admit this because she's already on such thin ice. And I have to just say, before we keep going, it's not lost upon me how badly. And and I, I really like both Chanel and Daniel as characters and as fans of the show and as players, I think they're, you know, very fun to watch it cannot be understated how sloppy Chanel and Daniel have done this in the pre-merge because they were positioned so well in the first two episodes. They were in the middle of two groups. And then because Chanel risked her vote and then Daniel acted sloppy at tribal council with the, um, the, the, um, the 
discussion. And now this, like they've played so sloppy. I, what Dylan, what, when they get back to camp, what do you think they happens or what does Chanel say? Because she, at this point, if she admits like, okay, Mike, I voted for you to be safe. They're just going to be like, okay, you know, Chanel, like we can't trust you anymore like, ever. So you need to go at some point. Or does she do the simple thing? And she says, well, I'll just blame Daniel because he's not here to defend himself. So I'll say, yeah, I don't know. Like, Mike, I swear to God, I did not vote for you. Daniel must have thrown a rogue vote because he's trying to outgame the system. Like, she has to blame Daniel here, right? Next vote, because he can't defend himself. I think it would be a good move for her to blame Daniel, but she could possibly get caught up in another lie. Obviously, they'll never know because Daniel's gone now. But I think that it, it's tough. Now, she, you could debate all we all we want. We could debate whether this was the right move for Chanel. I think it was the right move for Chanel because you have to defend yourself at more than anything. Like, yes. So here's basically what the decision in her head must have been. She must have said, do we, do I go all out to try to save myself? Or yeah. do I figure that most likely I'm screwed no matter what? If uh, most likely I'm screwed no matter what, if a shot in the dark is used and Daniel's safe. So I'm just going to just say, you know what? If I lose on a shot in the dark, I lose on a shot in the dark. I need these people's trust going forward because I already don't have it. Like that's yeah. what she has to be weighing in her head. You, you know, I, I, it is a tough decision because now they're probably going to go back to camp and Mike's not going to be happy with Chanel. They're all going to be like, see, I told you, this is why possibly, this is why we threw a vote on Chanel just in case. Um, we, you know, high is going to be saying, I see, I can't trust her. I, I would not be surprised. I don't think they're going to take it well um, of, of Chanel voting for Mike at all. And I think, you know, we, we you know, and I, I want to get to, I don't want to spend all night on this. I want to get to, uh, I want to get to the other tribes, but this was a very compelling vote for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, even more so than I, I think me and you even realized when we first logged on to the podcast tonight. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, this is a four, four, four merge coming up next week, assuming that we do get the merge or the fake merge or whatever you want to call it. That was in season 41. Um, is it really a four, four, four? If you have Chanel, who's going to flip. You have Tori uh, saying she's going to flip, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I it was a tough decision for Chanel because she had to weigh loyalty versus her safety in the game. Yeah, like like you said, we do need to get through the rest of the episode, and we, and we can go back and forth on this all night. I'm we, we probably could do a whole extra podcast if we wanted to on this. But yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Bati when they get back to camp because obviously you know, Chanel didn't vote for herself. So then it comes down to, well, then who was the Dan who was the Mike vote and who were the Daniel votes? So it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see what happens when they get back to camp. Yes, very. And I want to move on now. So, all right, we can finally move on to talk about the episode. Wild. Uh, 25 minutes wild, down, that's it. That's wild it. vote there. And again, keep, keep sending your questions in. Keep, you know, staying tuned. And I, we will get to all questions at the end. I just, I think it was very necessary for all, for everyone to break that, for us to break that down for everybody, because it was, again, it was more, more convoluted than I think we even realized. But anyway, let's get to Taku here where the op episode opens up Ika. and, oh, the episode opens at Ika, my bad. Blue. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, look, Ika didn't have a huge role in this, in this uh, episode. Once hey, again. you know, it's the last episode with tribes probably. So you're good. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so episode opens at Ika where you have Swapti who has just voted out. Um, and then you have Roxroy who's complaining, oh, like I, I must not have a good social game. And that, you know, it was so funny, this whole, this whole thing, because all like these episodes, we've been saying this tribe is such a mess. This tribe is such a mess. Finally, we say to themselves, oh, well, maybe they have a strong three coming out of this. And then we go pan right to Tori and she's like, I'm flipping the first opportunity I get. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting here saying, 
Remember all those Angelina comparisons she got after episode one? She could be the agent of chaos come merge. So yeah, so this is what I was saying earlier about like me it be like super hyper the night of the episode, and then it takes some time for me to kind of like calm down and think it through. I, I think that actually that's kind of why I'm glad we did some you know bonus podcast from time to time because then I can just come on the podcast and just talk it over and like not hyped up on energy after the episode. Um, last week, Dylan, we talked about did they make the right move? Did they make the right move to vote out Swathy over Tory because like you know the lesser of two evils, like the person you you can trust versus the person you can trust. And I think in the time we both said, well, it probably was the right move because they know they can't trust Tori. So they're going to keep her there because she's sloppy and they don't, they, they can't trust her, but they voted out Swathy because they're shocked. They couldn't trust her and it was more devious. So they had to get rid of her. And we both thought, could that make sense? After thinking about it all week and then seeing it tonight right away, it's clear they made the wrong choice because this comes down to a classic debate, and I want to see if you and the audience agree, of do you trust your enemy more or do you trust a friend that betrays you more? And now I think last week we were saying, oh, you got to trust Tori more because Swathi is a friend who betrayed you. But what bonded you together first should stay, and you clearly like Swathi more and you clearly trust her because you were Tori's been the, the decoy boot two times in a row now. They have to realize Tori is going to do whatever it takes and throw whoever it, she needs to under the bus to survive. And we see this proven right now in the confessional where she's like, you know, I'm flipping as soon as I can. I don't like these people. I'm going to get rid of them as fast as I can. So like they really, I think they should have kept Swathi here. I don't know what's going to happen at the merge. If Tori will be a merge boot, will Tori flip over to Taku or Vati? But it's it's clear they should have went with the per- like even yes even though Swathi was like oh uh, you're not my number one you're my number one even though it was kind of you know tricky and she got caught there they still should have voted out Tori because you know for a fact you can't trust Tori so I think this shows they made the wrong move last week. Would you rather have somebody who's trying to be friends with everybody, or would you rather have somebody who's trying to be friends with nobody? That's 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 the question here. And Tori has made it clear to us, and again, I I would assume that. They have this, this, they're a little bit uh, worried about this, but she's made it clear to us. She's, she's switching as soon as she's flipping as soon as she gets, she gets the merge. Drea better watch out because Drea has all the advantages and you know, Tori is going to out Drea as having at least, obviously she knows she has the extra vote. She doesn't really know she has the other advantages, but, or no, does she know that she has the amulet as well? Or just the extra vote? To my knowledge, well, first of all, like like you're, like you're saying, and we'll see it later this episode, Drea is hashtag survivor rich. She has the beware advantage, the extra vote, the amulet, and is that it? It's beware. Yes, she has the, be- she has, yeah, she has the she has the idol. Well, the beware advantage that turned into an idol. She has the extra vote and she has the amulet. I believe Tori knows that she has the extra vote, and that's it. But still, that's enough ammunition for Tori yes. to flip the vote on Drea. So yes, yeah, so, so Drea has three things. Um, everybody at this point knows she has the extra vote because it's been blabbed around the islands. So everyone knows she has the extra vote. Only Romeo knows that she has the beware idol. And I don't think anybody knows she has the advantage amulet. So I think that's the current knowledge of Drea's advantages. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you could argue that Drea could be in trouble if people, you know, see her having all this stuff. But the only person who knows about most of it is her closest ally, Romeo, and they seem very tight. But yeah, no, Tori, Tori can't be trusted, and she's going to flip at the merge most likely. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. 
Yeah, and I want to talk about Taku now, where you know they made it seem last week like they were such a strong four, um, and now all of a sudden this week we you know open up the episode and Lindsay and Marianne will not stop talking. Jonathan is not happy about that. Jonathan is hitting uh, is is hitting the machete on something, and Marianne is acting like it hit her foot, even though Jonathan claims he didn't hit her foot. Jonathan is just you know fishing half the day to get away from them. So you know, but I think. The most that I got out of this, honestly, is I think this was showing Jonathan not only being a, you know, just some huge Thor type player. I think he has a legit social game. Like he he kind of did what Romeo did last week. So Romeo is like when Roxroy was being all annoying to um to Romeo. Romeo was like, I just need to be quiet. I can't say anything. I can't explode because you can't do that in Survivor. And Jonathan did the same thing this week. He was like, I know I have to be quiet. I can't say anything because as soon as I start yelling at them, I'm all of a sudden the big bad guy who's 6'4", 250, and I'm immediate threat. So Jonathan did a really good job of just, you know, kind of just sitting there and just kind of dealing with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Jonathan has proven to be more well-rounded of a player than we thought. And, and I texted this to you and to my friends as well. You know, I've been loving Mike this season. I think I underestimated Mike. And I definitely, definitely underestimated Jonathan. We knew he'd be a big part of the challenges, but I think positioned in this tribe, um, I didn't expect him to be this well-positioned and didn't expect him to have this much of a social game. But he's right, though. I mean, I think he's very self-aware. He knows what the optics will look like if he's like, well, if I'm, you know, like you just said, 6'5", 40, whatever, Marianne's 5'2", and whatever, and I start yelling at her, it's not, it's not, not only will the TV audience think it looks bad, the, the my other tribe mates, uh, Lindsay and Omar, are going to think it looks very bad as well. So I got to keep my cool, you know, try to get, try to tell, tell her to calm the energy down. I didn't hit your foot. Like, you know, I, just, I need, I need some quiet time. So I think he handled it the best he could without blowing his top. But I mean, again, it's, it's very funny. And I'm really curious what the story is. You know, obviously we don't want to read the edit too much and we don't want to kind of spoil ourselves. But we talked last week, Dylan, about, you know, Jonathan is just, beasting every challenge we're going to see it a little bit later in the episode he's winning everything for them and you know what does this mean for his edits and then you see taku was a close four but now we saw some cracks last week we're seeing even more cracks this week what does this all mean does this mean you know they're going to fracture as soon as the merge hits and i really think it's going to be so interesting because another thought that i had uh coming out of last week's episode was you know they're a tight group and, you know, Jonathan's saying that, okay, well, you know, some people might like it, some people might not like it. But the problem is, is that if everybody goes after Jonathan at the merge, yeah, they could go for him if he doesn't win immunity. But if he does win, who might they go after? They might go after his closest allies because he said they're so close. But this is where I think it gets interesting because then you have Omer talking in confessional after Marianne and Jonathan, you know, kind of want to target each other. He... I, th- I think Omar Omar is, you know, very smart. I think, you know, if I'm looking at potential, you know, winner picks or people who are in a good spot, I think Omar is definitely up there, even though he completely botched the challenge tonight. He realizes if there is dysfunction, people will target that and they will make flips happen. I mean, you think back to South Pacific with the infamous Cochrane flip where it's like, if people perceive someone on the out, they will scoop them up and take them to their side and you lose a number that way. So they have to be very careful with how, they are acting and how they're being perceived by the other tribes. 
Yeah, I want to I want to get to Jonathan again here and the Taku tribe. Um, now the next thing next thing we the next two things that happened right after this was you know Vati complaining about Daniel's shoulder. We know Daniel gets voted out, so I don't want to you know we don't need, we don't need to get rid of that uh, in, too much into that. We already talked about uh, Drea finding the idol with Romeo, so we don't need to get too much into that. I kind of want to talk a little bit you know about about this Taku tribe still. So Jonathan again, immunity challenge tonight. Jonathan went crazy comeback thor you know i i tweeted out the custom thor jonathan meme that i made he they were way behind the challenge he catches up he does the slingshots in three seconds and they win they come back and win he's literally unstoppable now if we look at if we look ahead to next week and we assume that we are getting the same twist as season 41 this twist was designed to get out the biggest threat. Now, that's more okay if you have a lot of physical players in one season, but given how much better Jonathan is at challenges and how much more Jonathan sticks out in terms of that to the rest of the cast, I would say that assuming that if he wins the challenge next week, it's really a loss, that could be problematic for him. Because if he wins the challenge next week, which he's being told is for immunity, and then it ends up not being for immunity if somebody flips the hourglass and he's not safe. That's that's a problem, obviously, because now you're now you're merged. Every, I mean, we're technically not merged yet, but everyone's on the same beach. You have to vote someone out. Everyone's participating in tribal council. The e- the easy vote, if he doesn't have it, if he doesn't have immunity, would be Jonathan, because he's sticking out and he's you know the big physical player. Why not get him out while you could? While uh, we hit the hourglass to fl- over to overturn the immunity and now we can get Jonathan out. However, what I will say is that J- what is playing in Jonathan's favor right now is that you have complete dysfunction everywhere. We already know Tori's going to go trying to flip. We already know Chanel probably is going to go trying to flip. So assu- so given the dysfunction on those two tribes, I think that they may just ignore Jonathan and just start throwing shots at each other quick and Jonathan may skate by. Now, if he could do that, that is huge for his game because we know he's going to be able to probably win immunity like whenever he wants. He probably could go on a huge immunity run. He, as much dysfunction as possible with the other tribes and alliances, is a benefit for Jonathan in this situation. Now, he also has to hope that, let's just say that they happen to get, that all of Taku happens to be on the same uh, same tribe except for like one of them. And then one of them goes, and then let's just say they all they all win immunity but Taku is over there with the hourglass, but oh wait, all my alliance already won immunity. Yeah, I know I'm not gonna go home if they're all safe already. Like no one I'm probably not gonna get voted out tonight. So like, let's just say, let's just say theoretically, Omar, and I was listening to another podcast that discussed this. Let's just say Omar or Omer, I should say. Sorry about that too, for pronoun- yeah. uh, mispronouncing his name. So let's just say Omer is the one that goes to the random island with the hourglass. Taku already Taku. Three, the three Taku members are on the same tribe that, or the same team, I should say, that wins immunity. So let's just say Lindsay, Jonathan, and Marianne are all safe already. Mm-hmm. Omer has the opportunity to become safe and reverse it and make them not safe if he goes and smash the hourglass. I don't think Jonathan would make himself safe to risk losing one of his own because you know that Omer is going to want Omer is going to want Jonathan to stay in his shield as you know, the rest of his team will want to, uh, to keep a strong four. 
Like, I don't think, I think that with the four, 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 it's let, it's less likely that a player smashes the, smashes the hourglass, like guaranteed, depending on what the teams are, especially if it's like a Taku, cause Taku's so close. You don't want to like, if, if Jonathan leads a bunch of guys to victory that are also on your team, you don't want to risk them. So I think it's it, the decision may be a little bit more complicated this season, long-term short, long, long story short. So this is interesting. I mean, I, I think there's a few other things to go through the episode, but while we're talking about the hourglass, we may as well just get it out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I just, I don't want to see it back again. I guess my first question would be, do we think it comes back exactly the same? Now, the thing that we've seen is that the twist so far this season, Savvy or Sweat, the Beware advantages, we've seen the twist from last season, but they're tweaked in a little bit of ways, not too much, but they're tweaked a little bit, so that way we see how 41, sorry, 42 reacts to the twist from 41 with a little bit of variance in there. Even um, Shipwheel Island, I just realized that every single Shipwheel Island has been about an extra vote, whereas Liana had a whole thing about knowledge is power. So they're doing the same stuff, but with little tweaks. I have to imagine, Dylan, to your point, because you laid out a very interesting scenario about what if, you know, Omer goes to the Hourglass Island or, you know, what has happened, what happens with Jonathan, whatnot. I have to think after last season with the outrage from the players, namely Danny, I got to think they don't do it exactly the same. Now, the, I, I think it's going to happen in, at some point because Jeff was like, eh, you're not really merged. And I just shook my head. I'm like, why can't we have nice things? Why can't we have three tribes going into the merge with four people each? They're all hot messes. Why can't we just have a natural game? But of course they have to have some type of twist. I think we see the hourglass, but like you and I talked about in the in the preseason when we were thinking about the twists, it can't be the exact same. It has to be tweaked in some way. And, and again, it doesn't matter because if, if, if they keep it the same, we know whoever goes to the hourglass island is going to smash the hourglass no matter what. So, like, I, I just hope it's better if we're going to see yeah. it next week. Again, the scenario that I described where like somebody would not smash the hourglass is only in that like very specific situation. So yeah, but likely likely they will smash it to get themselves safe. I am holding out hope that it is tweaked. Like you said, there's been a lot this season that has been tweaked. I think it would be weird if Survivor did not tweak the one thing that everyone that that this obviously they couldn't, you know, go in between seasons and change history of what they did. Um unless they're smashing hourglasses themselves, who knows. But uh but uh I, I think that after the outrage of Danny and everyone who had everyone on that cast who had a problem with it, I'm going to guess that they slightly tweaked it. Um, I would not be surprised. Like, theoretically, throw out the hourglass. If they're just doing like a, like six people are safe, everyone votes without the hourglass, that's technically like not a merge still yet. It would be like you're all merged kind of so like they could do the thing where like they could literally do what they did last season but without the twist this the the group that wins is safe they just go and have all all tribal council together with half them being safe half them being not and then they could officially call it a merge after and then we could see either no hourglass or an hourglass later in the season but i'm hoping they did tweak it i really hope they did well look i i I promise you this if however the twist is laid out if the person who gets a chance to smash the hourglass can become safe by smashing it. It doesn't matter what scenario there is or weird situation. They will smash it 10 out of 10 times. If you, if you are going to that Island like Erica did, and you are not safe, no matter what the layout is of the two groups, you are smashing it 10 out of 10 times. So that, that was the biggest problem of the twist is that there's no 
downside to it. It doesn't matter. You want to save yourself above all else. So maybe, so yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe this slight adjustment they make is that they make it so that that person who goes is not safe no matter what, or that person is safe no matter what. And this and this way they don't have like extra incentive or or not to smash it or not smash it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like if we're going to see the hourglass and I have a feeling that we're going to and it just it just makes me sick. Um, I, I, I can't it can't be under, understated how much I'm enjoying the season a lot. I think we're five episodes in technically six if you count the two hour premiere. And we're, if we compare 41 to 42, I'm overall enjoying 42 a lot more. And the fact that we could have a very fun merge with 12 players that, you know, it could go in any which way. The fact that an hourglass can ruin it just makes me so annoyed. But the point is, is that if we see it next week, I have to think it's different. And I had to think that I wish I remembered what we said preseason about what they could do to change it. Maybe it's like instead of lying to the players and saying you're no longer safe if you win, maybe it changes like the maybe it changes like the um what's it called? Like, okay, you split into two groups. Oh, all this like okay, <laughs> let's just say randomly, Jonathan, Roxroy. Chanel, um, hi, um, you're all on like, um, and Drea, you're all on one tribe. And on the other tribe, you have Marianne and you have Tori and you have Lydia. Then in that case, I understand it's like, okay, you want to change the dynamics of the two groups for the challenge, then smash it. That's at least fine. They redo the random draw. But if they make people safe and then no longer safe, then, it, then it's just a bad twist. So, yeah, uh, I agree. Now, yeah, I, I hope they do tweak it. Now, I want to see, do we have any, I, we have a lot of questions. So I want to get a lot to of questions. questions. Do we have anything else? I just want to give a quick shout out. I think the last thing that we didn't really talk about is Lydia and Roxroy go to, uh, as you as as you call it, Shipwheel Island. And I want to give a shout out to Lydia for not making the same mistake Chanel did. That was yeah, well, so this is very interesting, interesting to me. And, and again, and again quick, quickly before you talk, she would have, in hindsight, she could have got an extra vote, but she didn't know that. So, given the information that she knew it was the right move to protect her. Vote. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have one other point to make after we go over this and then we have, like you said, a lot of questions. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think Lydia obviously made the right move here. And I think that if last week's vote, not last week, if the Jenny vote was a lot more simple and straightforward, I have a feeling Lydia would have risked her votes, but because it was so chaotic and she almost went home, I think she realized that she needed to keep her vote here and again, Roxroy also was like, I'm going to play it safe. I don't, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I need my vote. I was just left out of the vote when Swathi left. So I need it. They both made the right choice here. And I think another reason why they both didn't risk it was because they were both very cagey. They both say in confessionals, they're not giving me much. And because they couldn't get a sense of what was happening, they didn't want to make a bad move. So they just kept it all the same. The one thing I want to mention, which kind of goes into this as well, before questions is the whole discussion that Mike had about, well, do I say the phrase or not? Cause I I'm very proud of Mike for trying to outthink the twist and saying to himself, well, the idol will automatically activate at the merge. If I don't say anything, I have to just make it to merge. If I just make it there, uh, Marianne and Drea won't know I have it, but I'll know I have it. And then we can figure that out from there. I think he handled it. Well, I, I'm a, I, I, I wish he didn't say anything. I wish he just let Drea and Marianne say it and he kept his idol a secret, but I can understand why he, especially after tonight, I can understand why he did it because this tribe is also crazy. And I have a feeling he realized 
anything can happen with Chanel and Daniel. So I need my vote just in case. Sorry, no. Yeah, I, I need a vote just in case. So he decided to say the phrase to get his vote back and to get the idol back. So while I wish he didn't say anything and had it automatically activated the merge, I, I can understand why he said something. Yeah, I uh, I I think he made the right move to say something and to activate the idol because like you said you need your vote if you're gonna go to tribal council with that chaotic of a tribe so all right let's uh let's get the questions here um thank you to everybody who's been interacting so far in the chat we have a ton of questions um just remember if you're watching this video be sure to like the video subscribe to this channel if you haven't already it really helps us out follow us twitter instagram at soul survivor pod you can follow us on TikTok now also at, uh, at Soul Survivor Podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else. Links are in the description below. And let's get to questions. Oh, shit. I'm not logged in, so I can't click on it. But the first question that, that I see, um, if we're going in order of just what I see in terms of questions, is uh, I think Kay Bonilla, when saying, what, what, what benefit did Chanel have voting Mike? Just to recap in case you joined late. Um, and again, like Dylan said, thank you to everyone for the live interaction. I think it's been our most popular night in a little bit. We had a lot of great comments tonight. Um, I think we said earlier that she did it to protect herself if Daniel's shot in the dark was played and he was safe. Because if everyone votes for Daniel, he ends up being safe. And then he votes for her. She goes home no matter what. She threw a rogue vote onto Mike to force a possible tie to potentially save herself if that happened. So that's why she did that. Yeah. Force a potential tie or had they made a mistake and all voted for um, Daniel and then the shot in the dark saved him. Then she was just saving herself by putting it uh, on somebody else. But um, yeah, uh, that was her benefit. Shot in the dark was dangerous for her mm -hmm. in case it hit. Yep. The next question I see comes to us from, um, Christian, there you go. Yep, you beat me to it. Uh, hey, guys, do you think the merge is – do you guys think or the merge, is the, first, okay, the, the merge is the first 444 evenly split tribes and gender male, female at the merge? What do you guys think? So I, I guess he's just saying what, what do we think is going to happen based on this distribution? No, I, I think it's just like asking like what our thoughts are. I think it's pretty interesting that we have a there first is. ever four for four. And then also I didn't even realize also uh, even gender male, female at the merge also. So if you know, it's like last season was the whole thing where they were, they were fe fearing an all girls alliance. They were fearing an all guys alliance, whatever was going on there. And you don't, I mean, you don't really have to fear that right now because it's even genders and even numbers. So I, I think it, it, it creates a lot of interesting scenarios, especially very Especially because you have complete train wrecks. So I'm curious to know like which stay together and which jump ship and it should be interesting. Yeah, no, I'm very excited about it. That's why I kept you, you saw me, you know, shake my head and roll my eyes about the, uh, the hourglass because imagine just seeing a clean, not clean, the opposite of clean, but imagine seeing a, um, a regular episode where you just kind of throw all this, you know, on the table and say, we'll see what happens with the even tribes, even gender, just see what happens with the craziness and hopefully a hourglass twist doesn't ruin it. But I think it's really cool. I think whenever you see a first in history, it's always pretty fun. And the fact that anything can happen in this even tribe split is really exciting. Yep, I agree. Uh, right. ne yeah, next. From, we'll from uh, Kbenia 2.0 here, we have, will Mike figure it out that Chanel voted for him? This was a thing we spoke about. I think it completely depends on the way Chanel plays it off. Are they going to believe her? Probably not. 
I don't think they're going to believe her. She could easily blame it on Daniel, but it wouldn't make any sense for Daniel to have done that because he would have been voting himself out, basically. So well, will Mike figure it out? I'm going to guess he I'm going to guess that they figure out that it was Chanel. Yeah, I think they figure it out. I really feel like she is going to say it was Daniel. And I guess the only argument she has is Daniel felt that it was either me or him. And if you guys all voted for me tonight and I played my shot in the dark, which I didn't because I trusted you, then all the votes would have fell on to him and he would have left. So Mike, he did that. To, like She could basically, basically the simplest thing for her to do, because again, Daniel is not there to defend himself and it's also the pre-merge. So not only can he not defend himself, he can't be better at her on the jury because he's not on the jury. So the best thing she can do is blame Daniel. And I guess the only thing she can say is what she did. I did it in case of shot in the dark and say, Daniel did that because of shot in the dark. Mike, you saw me shake my head. I would never have voted for you. You told me at the water well that Daniel was going to go home. And I, I believe you all the way. She has to do that. I still think they figure it out though. Cause hi and Liddy are going to be like, we both voted for Daniel Chanel and they both voted for you. So I think they'll figure it out, but I hope she tries to play it smart here and blame Daniel. So, but we'll see. All righty. So we have from Ohio State for the win here. Which players from each tribe do you think will jump ship from their original tribe and try to align with other players once the merge happens? This is an interesting question. We've already heard Tori say to everybody uh, that she's going to, uh, everybody meaning us, that she's going to jump ship. Um, I think if I had to say other players, like you said, Chanel may have to. Um, I think Taku 4 will stay strong, at least initially. And the only other player that I think I could see jumping ship at the moment is probably Roxroy. Um, but I don't think Roxroy is going to go with Tori. So it would be like opposite directions they would go, I guess. But I don't know. I, I guess right now, those are the only two strong feelings I have. Any any thoughts from you? Yeah. So, I mean, Tori's an obvious one because she straight up told us I'm going to jump ship. So I think that's pretty clear in terms of Taku. I feel like Omer is going to try to keep this group together as best he can. I don't know if anyone will jump ship. I feel like you can make the argument that Marianne and Jonathan may want to take a shot at each other, but I don't know if that's going to happen right away. And then as for Vati, it could be Chanel. It could be her if she, um, if she really feels like, you know, my, 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 uh, my numbers up, you know, they, they, they know it's me at this point. I have to kind of flip, but the other thing I would say about this question is who's been to Shipwheel Island and who could have a cross-tribal connection. So it you can make an argument that it's not going to be Lydia and Rox because they couldn't trust each other enough to give each other information. And I don't think they're going to connect over that. I don't think it's going to be Chanel and Omer because clearly Omer's going to realize when he gets to the next tribal and he still doesn't have a vote, Chanel and I both risked our votes and she kind of screwed me there. So the only other two people that went to Shipwheel Island and they could maybe align at some point, I think in the, in the premiere, what was it? Marianne, Drea, and Jenny. Was that who went to Shipwheel Island? Yeah. So maybe Drea, Marianne, maybe like link up at some point, but I'll be very curious to see what happens. Oh, well, also Drea and Marianne both have idols. Exactly. And they both, know, they both know that each other have idols. Exactly. So that, that is interesting there as well. All right. Um, oh, my God. We completely forgot about that. What? I think it comes up in a question later, but I just realized we need to we need to close out Potato Gates. 
we do need to we need we do need to close it out with that uh but we can keep going uh, through the questions first yeah. yes yeah. yes all right so we have from christian here hey uh just curious guys do you think the shot in the dark is overpowering in survivor um like i explained tonight i like it because i think it creates voting chaos i don't think it's overpowered because we've never seen it work before <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like this is so interesting because it, it comes down to the narrative where if Sydney's worked right away or Zach's, Zach's worked right away, everybody would be like, okay, it just worked. It's overpowered. But I think because it hasn't been working, the narrative has become it's not that strong because I, I even came on the podcast saying is one in six too few. So no, I don't think it's overpowering. And I think to Dylan's point, and I think Ohio State may have agreed with you in the comments, it adds another layer of complexity because people are now trying to think, about how do I navigate certain votes because because the shot in the dark. How do I split my votes? Do I throw a, throw a rogue vote out there? So it's interesting to see all the different possible outcomes that are happening because people are scared about shot in the dark. All right, to the next question from the Ohio State for the win. How about Jonathan continuing to dominate in competitions? Omar struggled quite a bit. And Jonathan saved Taku again. At this point, where would you rank Jonathan all time in competitions? So, right now, based on the information that we've seen, you can make a case for him being the most dominant challenge player of all time. But so, he still, but he, but he still has all the individual immunity challenges left, and yeah. therefore we cannot judge it yet. But I would say that in terms of like team challenges he has a strong case for most dominant both the most dominant challenge player of all time um in 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 tribal immunity challenges most dominant of all time tribal reward challenges most dominant of all time we have not seen him do immunity challenges will he be as good at the balancing stuff will he be as good as uh pinching two things together at one time will he be as good at as good at that we've yet to see that so i think that we have to wait and see but i think that we it's going to be real entertaining to watch him compete in this yeah, I mean, you basically summed it up perfectly. The game is split into two phases, pre-merge, which is tribal phase, and merge, which is individual. And I would I would agree with you that other than maybe Ozzy or Joe, I could even make the case that Jonathan is the greatest of all time in terms of tribal competitions at the pre-merge because he's doing everything himself. He's winning all the, the, the hero role positions. He's dragging boats by himself. He's doing slingshots. The only thing he can't do is do a puzzle which i guess leads me to my next point where greatest of all time in all competitions we'll, we'll see how he does in the merge when there's balancing there's endurance there's puzzles we'll see how he does but if we're just saying is he the greatest in terms of tribe competitions i think he's number one in that category all right um next question again from ohio state for the win do you think chanel tries to bond with omar if they both make the merge and team up with him, um, possibly sin uh, since she knows nobody on Vati will work for her going forward. So do we think that she tries to bond with Omar since she knows him already from the ship wheel island thing? But they, but like she doesn't really have anyone else. I think that maybe she could bounce to Taku. Like, I think, like, I don't think they wouldn't trust each other if they both did risk the vote. I think it was just a misread on like the way they were talking to each other. I could see them possibly teaming up. And honestly, if we're thinking about it now, Omar doesn't have a vote. So he is going to have to probably bring somebody else in or have somebody close to him that like, like he could tell, like 
Chanel knows he doesn't have a vote. If I'm if I'm Omer, I would try to go up to Chanel immediately and be like, you know, I don't have a vote. Like we need to work together so that we could go get through this together. I think that Chanel could be a good piece for Taco to bring in. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think listen, they're both fans of the game. Omer and Chanel are both clearly huge fans of the show. They're, I think they're both around the same age. I, I know Chanel is like twenty eight, twenty nine. I think Omer is around the same age, maybe like in his early thirties. I I can't, I can't remember, but. I think they'll try to link up. Obviously, Omer knows he doesn't have a vote. Well, sorry, he gets, he's going to get to tribal council, and he's and he knows he's not going to have a vote because of Chanel. And Chanel already knows. Well, I don't have it. Uh, I and I know Omer doesn't have it. So, I think they're going to try to link up uh, at the merge because they have that bond from Shipwell Island. I'll be curious to know. Does Chanel tell him before the vote? Hey, just so you know, when you get to the booth. You're not going to have a vote because we both risked it. Here's why I did it. I I, I overplayed. I made a mistake, but I want to work with you. Or does she say, eh, I'll let him find out when he gets to the booth and he gets there and he goes, oh my God, I can't even vote. So I think they're going to try to bond, but I, I'm really curious to find out. Will she tell him before the vote happens? Uh, will, will she tell, will she tell uh, Omer before the vote happens? Will she tell Omer that I also risked my vote? So yes. if you did it too, you're not going to have a vote. Because if, right, if she doesn't right, tell him before the vote, right. he's going to get to the booth and find out he doesn't have a vote. Right. I, I think that's a good – right. So Omer doesn't even know yet that he doesn't he have doesn't a know vote. Yet. Right. I, I completely forgot about he, that. Right. For all he knows, he has an extra vote and he's good. Right. That That's interesting. So – yeah, I that's a good point. Will she will she tell him? Maybe she'll do maybe she'll tell him to gain his trust and that that'll be her way to get in with Taku, but we'll have to see. Um all right, I want to get to Kbenia 2.0 had a really good question here that I think sure. we kind of we kind of talked about it before. Um but this is like another angle of going at it. Can Jonathan fly under the radar now that everyone knows there's three idols at play? Like I said, um Jonathan needs everything to bounce in his favor to go far in this game because everyone knows he's the huge threat right now. However, we're in the new age of survivor where people where, where physical threats have more places to hide because of all of the advantages in the game. So I think you make a good point. KBD 2.0. I had mentioned before that Jonathan wants all the chaos in the world, which he is getting. Everyone seems to be a train wreck. Also, it's huge that everyone had to talk about the idols out loud because now everyone's going to figure out there's three idols in play. They're going to have to try to vote out the people with the idols because I I mean, I would be shocked if idols are not used this season. Like we didn't really see it last season at all. We didn't, no. That will not happen this season. I almost guarantee it. Like that would be shocking to me if it happens again that way. I think, you know, again, everything needs to break Jonathan's way for him to go far. This is definitely one of the things that will help him for sure. So not only are there three idols at play between Drea, Mike, and Marianne, so that could possibly help him. You also have the advantage amulets between Drea, Lindsay, and uh, Hai. But the, uh, the difference there is that technically, instead of they then maybe wanting to work together, I think the amulets are going to act like a bounty on their head. Where yeah, you can all vote, you can all combine your amulets for an extra vote, which doesn't matter at all extra votes barely matter in survivor or you can knock off somebody and then combine like let's just say hi and dre i want to work together and they want to knock off Lindsay to weaken jonathan and maybe Lindsay's the merge boot i don't know but then you knock off Lindsay. hi and Drea can combine their amulets for a steal a vote which is a bit better 
or, you know, high wants to take them both out and then he gets an idol to himself. So to answer this question, he could be helped that there are amulets and idols and people may, may, may want to fire at each other over advantages. But I think it just comes back to what we've been saying all season. He stands out so much. Like in, he's winning everything. People clearly like him on his tribe so far. Like he stands out so much. I feel like he can't fly under the radar um, unless something crazy happens. Like, you know, there's a huge like circle circular firing squad at the merge uh, first travel council, but I don't know. The, I honestly don't know at this point unless he wins out. I don't know how people are going to let him get to the end. Yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. I, it should be fascinating to watch. I think Jonathan is adding a ton to the season. Um, so we have a few questions here that ask about like winter predictions. I don't want to get into winter predictions yet because we still have so much left to go. Once we get in the middle of like the post merge, then we can start talking about winter potential. But I, I think it's a little it's a little premature right now. So. Uh, I want to pass up on those questions, but I do want to get to what you mentioned previously, and that is uh, Potato Gate. Potato Gate. So, and this is how we'll end the podcast tonight. Um, me and you were talking about this, but we didn't want to make it obvious about who it was. Everyone thought that Tori was the one who finds the idol. Um, and because it looked like in the preview of the season, in the first few minutes, she's reading off a parchment that says beware advantage and she's the one that's reading the potato stuff that being said tori does not everyone's talking about it everyone's like oh well i knew swathi was gonna go home because i know tori doesn't go home because i saw tori reading the beware advantage next thing we know the season the episode opens up and what drea drea finds the advantage so was it a misdirect by survivor or, or, or Tori going to find some other advantage post merge, and that's what, uh, and they just use, they just swap the audios or something. Does she find another beware advantage? Does she find something else, or was this a good job of of a diversion from the edit? Here's the problem, though, and and you're right. Obviously, they they uh, they, they fooled some people. And before I even get to you know what we saw, we were talking uh, offline, and we were saying how there was a YouTube video, or or I think Rob mentioned it in the podcast where. It sounds like Tori's voice in the opening of the season, but you never see her lips move. You just see her looking down at something. And technically, if you look at the hand, it's Mike's hand on the parchment. But you think it's Tori's voice. Then you go back to the season 41 finale where they preview this season, and it sounds like Marianne's voice. It actually may have been Drea's voice. It sounds like someone else. So you think, okay, did they did they mislead us, whatever? Here's the problem, though. I, I feel like in the end, if, to close out Potato Gate, it doesn't matter. I feel like... We were still spoiled because we were led to believe it was Tori. And because we felt it was Tori, unless it was a complete switcheroo on us and Tori went home in the first two votes, we kind of knew it was going to be Zach and Swathy leaving because in our minds, well, Tori can't leave because she hasn't found the beware advantage yet. So even if it wasn't like it didn't truly happen, we kind of got indirectly spoiled because we felt that we knew Zach and Swathy were going. And I guess you and others might say like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, it was a misdirect, but we, in the end it didn't really matter because she didn't find it anyway. My question is why didn't the editors show us Mike finding the, his beware advantage and give us the, the soccer quotes instead of the potato quote, because Mike finds his beware advantage in the premiere. He says it and it wouldn't have, Mike has never been a decoy boot. So it wouldn't have spoiled it because it was either Jenny or Lydia or Chanel or Daniel. So why didn't they just show us Mike like, re- like reading it like, like why did we get deceived thinking it's tori and we kind of knew zach and swappy were goners so 
Like that's my point, I, I guess. Why didn't they just not show anything? Like I, I think the message to survivor they have to, because they have to. <laughs> well, I think I think the I think the message to survivor is just you could show confessionals, you could show all the stuff. No reason to show people finding advantages. You could just be like, and beware advantages are back. And it could just show like people searching for the idols. You don't need to see, we don't need to see somebody actually finding it and reading it. But yeah, I, I agree with you because of what we were led to believe, whether it was true or not, like that ru- ruined for some people the fir- a, fir- a couple of first few episodes. So I-, I think it was a mistake by Survivor and I hope they learn from their mistake. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can make a whole argument about showing it, showing advantages to get people excited or if you don't want any spoilers at all, show no advantages. My only argument is just don't show a decoy boot because if you show a decoy boot finding it, we will know they don't go home. So even let's just go back to last season. You could have showed Xander finding the butterfly advantage because Xander wasn't a decoy boot. It was either going to be Tiffany or Abraham or Tiffany or Voce. So like, just show us somebody who's not a decoy boot because Tori was a decoy boot twice. Like that's the only point I have about that. So yeah, I, I do agree. Um, but it was interesting to see uh, to see that happen. <laughs> I mean. We it, it was so, it was so funny because I, I was like talking to my brother about the about I was like, have you heard like the whole like thing that people are complaining about? He's like, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me what it is. I was like, well, I, so then he was like, I was like, I'll tell you like what it is without telling you who it's about. I was like, people are like people think that they spoiled who gets the idol. And he was like, oh, I don't even remember anything. I'm curious to know if it was just like. If most of the casuals have no idea what happened, probably, and it's just us crazy uh, Survivor super fans that realized uh, realized it. But look, in the future, I think they should just avoid that type of situation, no matter what, and it was the right thing to do. But uh, yeah, tonight was a great podcast. Uh, I want to wrap up here. Um, thank you to everybody who was in the live chat. It was a great live chat night. Thank you to everybody who listened live. Once again, just want to remind everyone to like the video if you haven't already. It really helps us out. Subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Follow us Twitter, Instagram at Soul Survivor Pod, TikTok at Soul Survivor Podcast. We are new on TikTok. Subscribe to us, Apple, Spotify, five star rating and review on Apple. Again, really helps us out. We love everyone who comes and watches every week. Thank you again. And Ryan, like normal, like we close, like we normally close out here. Yep, that's it. Um, like Dylan said, thank you, everyone. Um, the interaction tonight was amazing. We always appreciate the support. Um, I, I say this all the time. Best part about talking about Survivor is being able to share it with others. So we always appreciate the constant you know, feedback and communication. But a lot of fun tonight. Can't wait for a two-hour episode next week. So pro- programming note, don't forget, we will be back at 10.15 next week to go over the two-hour episode of The Merger big merge but other than that we have nothing else for you uh so grab your torches and head back to camp good night